Pelotero Pickle episode 60. We have a special guest, Eric Kratz, joining us this week. We dig into all things catching, how to build chemistry, how to be a leader, automatic strike zone. It's a really awesome episode. You're going to love it. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 60. We have a special guest with us today, and I apologize for spelling your last name incorrectly. Eric Kratz is joining us along with, of course, Chris Colabello. But before we get into topics, a reminder to send us your questions at pickle at pelotero.com or hit us up on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. Send us your questions. We love hearing from you. Let's jump right in. These two are bantering like uh, like their brothers from a movie or something. How you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. 60 hey. episodes. 60 times you've had to deal with this guy. He's going to lean across that screen so many times. It's like a time elapsed. All I want you to know, Kratzy, and yes, I'm wearing my uh, my touchdown Tommy hat today because <laughs> Box dude came with it again. I'm wearing my Tommy hat. Thanks for coming on, Kratzy. I miss you. Thanks for coming to town the other day and not saying anything. And let me know. That's how you know if somebody really liked you as a teammate. When they come to your hometown after they're done playing. What are you, the special rover to the assistant of the GM of the whoever it is? Player development consultant. Good job. Show some respect, Chris. Yeah. I've got business cards coming. (laughs) You are. You're well thought of across the industry. So I'm surprised you're not a, a multi-consultant for like multiple teams. Is that legal? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's legal. It's not marital. That's for sure. That would not be good for my marital status. You should have at least like 10 teams paying you. You should be a consultant for 10 separate teams. All the ones that I played for? Yeah. What my goal was, what my goal was when I quit playing was I was just getting on COVID. COVID broke into this, but... I was going to have alumni day, you know, you know, how you have alumni weekend, you know, old timers come back. I was hoping all the teams could schedule them just back to back weekends. And I could just spend like 10 weekends, different cities, having alumni weekends, playing in games, staying in shape, getting some innings in little appearance fee here and there, whatever. Yeah. Sign some autographs, eat some hot dogs and sausage links. Yeah. How many, hey, technically, how many times have, has a team you've played for been to a playoffs? You've won a World Series. One? Yep. One World Series, one second place, <sighs> one loss in game five of the NLDS, one loss in game seven of the NLCS, one loss in game seven of the NL of the ALCS and then one loss in game five of the ALDS. So this is how you know somebody's a legend when they've got six, seven years where they're like playing for a team and then all of a sudden like, oh, you're on a winning team, go to the playoffs. Like that's what happened at the end for, for Kratzy. Everybody was like, hey, I got to go to a good team. Yeah. And, and you just, gotta, well, some years I played for three different organizations. So I kind of, I kind of upped my percentage chance of getting a ring. So that, that helped, but there was that 
it was one of those things though all those times i think i have like 20 at bats total in the playoffs so that's like four games but i got i got to watch a ton of games you have a i so i pulled up your your baseball reference page it's long it is a you have to scroll to see like some guys is just like a little a little blurb <laughs> yours is you have to literally scroll up the page um i didn't realize were you on the inaugural new hampshire fisher cats team oh yeah yep so that's that when i was in new hampshire that was about 15 minutes away that's about 15 minutes from where patrick producer patrick is right now um the i remember old stadium when, i remember when the stadium got you so you played at gill stadium oh i, I played at gill the thrill at gill when they used that's, to have the lit when they used to have the lit signs and i don't mean lit like they were nice i mean lit like they were lit by lights like electrical and, lights yeah. yeah electrical lit and they had them too close to the batter's eye in center field. And so the one night, Scott Kazmir and Gustavo Chassin, ooh, Chassin, that was his commercial for the cologne that he put out. But anyway, they were both lefties and the lineups got stacked with righties. And they both went, one went eight and a third, no hit. And the other one went eight and two thirds, or maybe it was eight and eight and a third. They no hits through the first eight innings. Because everybody, everyone's thrown out of the, they were throwing that cutter and, and Kashmir was throwing the curveball out of those lights. And it was like, uh, and then guys like Colabella would come in, dude, I can't see. I'm probably one of the best hitters in the planet and especially lefties. I absolutely rape lefties. So if I can't see, you guys can't see. And then the, and then the schleps like me would go up to the plate and be like, I probably can't see. They hate me. I'm a 29th rounder. I got no shot. <laughs> I don't. But. I needed to meet Kratzy sooner in my career because he gave me a lot of perspective. Yeah. You know my favorite line. You know my favorite line you ever told me was. I use this all the time now. I said, "That's the you know how I know when you're struggling." Line. It's like when you tell me you're struggling, right? When you let me know that you're struggling, that's how I know. And you're never struggling. You're just in a good place all the time. I'm in a good place. I, I'm in a good place. You know how I knew Colabella was a really good hitter? Because I watched him bunt. I knew he was a really good hitter. Awful bunter. Pelotero does not have Pelotero does not have any bunting metrics. I take offense to that. I yeah, mean, I couldn't, but I'm thank sure you. you. Thank you. But now they don't even, they don't even, nobody teaches bunting now. So that's, I don't know if that's a metric, a new age measure for a quality of hitter anymore. How about that? Know. Last, last night, Glaber Torres put down, tried to put down a bunt one, one with their season on the line runner on first. That's right though. There's no way there's any other time in the entire season that a bunt would have worked. I, so I, I had a bit of a Twitter thread yesterday talking about, how I said, I said, you, I wonder if Boston, New York, Toronto, or Seattle wishes they hadn't let a game or two slip away earlier in the year. And there's all this pressure right now, like you got to win this game. And it's like, well, the game in June could have made a big difference here. And there, there's, there's all sorts of factors and that's, it's all relevant. And, but like every game matters, every single game matters. So why are you going to put pressure on 162 to bunt? If the metrics say don't bunt, then don't bunt ever. 
but don't get into the moment and be like, oh, well, we could really use the run right now, so we're going to bunt. <laughs> I'll tell you who the should irony bunt. Is, the irony is thick. I'll tell you who should bunt more, and he did it the other night. There was a Twitter thread, another Twitter thread, about somebody who was asking, you you put up Gallo's war for the year, right? It was Joey Gallo's four point. Somebody at Baseball Reference has Joey Gallo at a four six and Freddie Freeman at a four five. And it showed Gallo's hitting a buck 99 with 205 punchies and Freeman's hitting 300 with half the punchies. So maybe like war's broken, whatever. I, who am I to say? But um, Gallo came up as the non-tying run, as the run before the tying run, and he bunted for a hit. I was so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. Maybe do it more often. It'll open up the whole right side. Well, Maybe they did, the, they did the four-man outfield, and they're bringing the the tying run to the plate with a free bunt. Yeah. Drop it, drop it down. Get You got Sanchez and LeMayu on the bench. You might as well like give those guys a chance to tie the totally. game. Not to there's, mention one through nine in every lineup can go deep now. Yeah, there's no situation where you shouldn't try to get the tying run up to bat if you can. Every Every single time in the game. There's no situation where you shouldn't try to get a run in. And homers, right. homers score runs every time. Those are one of that's one of that's one of my regrets. I have two regrets from baseball. One, I don't have a triple in the show. Two, nobody ever played a four-man outfield on me. Like if I looked out there and saw a four-man outfield, I'd been like, I have arrived. <laughs> Come on, I made it. I made it. Yep. I would step out. And I'd tip my cap. It would be real subtle. I'd tip my cap to the left center fielder. <laughs> no big league triples, but you had five in the minors. I had five in big league camp, too. Big league really? spring training. I don't know. I don't even know of a ball that I hit in the big leagues that would have been a triple where I was like, nah, I'm just not going or ah, my hammy's a little tight. Nope. Outfitters were just too fast. I had such an accidental triple in the show. My only one. It's not about you. Chris Chris starts a lot of sentences with I. I don't know if you know that about him. There's a lot of I statements. He does. This could be fun. This could be a good episode. We'll just gang up on Chris the whole time. No, no. Anyway, my <laughs> accidental triple, I have one, was off the catwalk that should have been a homer at Tampa. So is that a homer story, guys? Is that a homer story? It should have been a homer, but I have a triple. I have more triples than Kratzy in the big leagues. Ooh. Somehow you you mixed in like a humble brag with a whiner complainer story. Yeah, exactly. That's who it's I am. Now like everybody of, knows who I am. Two of the least admirable stories that anybody wants. Sorry for everybody who just turned off the Pelotero Pickle podcast. All right. Time out. Um, <laughs> oh, time out. He's got how many teams He's did we play to get? How many? I love how random this episode is. This how is, many teams do we play together with? Great. Just two, Toronto and Cleveland. Yeah. We didn't play together with Milwaukee. We missed each other there, right? We didn't play together with the Twins. You never played for the Twins. Oh, my man. All right. Chris, you spent, too, you spent too much time in any ball. Yeah, you're right. A lot. Too many years in any ball. So anyway. actually, let's get into top, let's get into yeah. some topics. I wanna, go, go right into it. Let's go. So I I have one that's I don't even think it's on that's not really on the topics list, but it's something that I'm curious about. As I'm scrolling up and down your baseball reference page, <laughs> you've you've seen a lot of levels of baseball across 
a wide spectrum of time. And the game has changed a lot over the last 10 years, let alone the last 15 years. What is the biggest constant that you see in the game? What hasn't changed? I mean, the constants are probably what what runs the game and what is the very rarely brought to the forefront is the people who do the best, the teams that do the best and the people that do the best consistently across the board, people who work hard, people who engage with their teammates or coaches that engage with their teammates and people who are able to connect and really make impacts with other people on their team. Like to me, I feel like when you start, like everybody wants to bring up analytics, they want to bring up swing changes, they want to bring up hot streaks, cold streaks. Like when you when you just push everything aside, that's all that white noise, it's who shows up to the park every day, works hard, like, oh, he works hard. Like, oh, he runs hard down the first baseline. Like that's not like to me, that's that's the that's the jumping off point. That's the starting point. And then from there, who engages with their teammates? Whatever that means. Different days. Different days, it means different things. Like a coach checking in on an injured player, a pitching coach truly like, hey, you know what we saw yesterday? How do you feel? How did you feel? And really engaging not just on-field stuff, but off-field stuff, front offices who are able to connect with the player and where the player needs to be. If you got a bunch of single players on the team and you're like, look, guys, we have a curfew of 12 o'clock every night on the road, you know, you're not reading, you're not reading your team. You know, you're a married coach who doesn't understand, you know, being young in the big leagues. Just the same as if you have a bunch of old veterans, you know, and you're like, no, we're not going to have any families flying on the playoff plane or whatever it is. You know, I'm just bringing up tiny little things. You're not engaging with the players. You're not engaging with the people who need that one run, just like the Yankees needed yesterday to get them into the, to get them into the playoffs. And there was a lot of other games where there was that one run. And so it doesn't matter what you're talking about, but every single thing that you bring up whether it's one knee catching not bunting analytic driven lineup changes it's all about getting that one run in as many games as you possibly can get and that's what hasn't changed most of that comes from and i think i've always felt this way it's chemistry right it's 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 called chemistry it is chemistry whatever you want to call it doesn't matter but that's like wanting to play for the guy next to you, right? Is, is that fair to say? Is that fair to put it that way? Totally. Absolutely. You, you can't – I mean, you drove in a ton of RBIs. You have zero RBIs. You're going to have a Bryce Harper type of season if you're not pulling for the other guy and driving other guys in. You know, so, hey, what did you see? Talking about it. You know, the, the, every situation can come back to that at its root and at its core. And how, how do you help that next guy? And how do you help 
how do you be, how are you helped by the guy in front of you or the guy behind you, whatever it is, stealing signs at second base, all that stuff engaged with your teammates for the number one goal winning. Win the game. That's awesome. There's so much I want to unpack and dig into with that. That was fantastic. How much do you feel your role as a catcher where you're dealing with the, probably dealing with the coaches more than the average player dealing with the pitchers and getting that whole side of things and then still needing to be an offensive player. I mean, I feel like you're, you're primed to be a managerial candidate at some point, if that's something you wanted to pursue, how, how important is that catcher's role? I mean, I, I was a shortstop when I played and I felt like I had some leadership on the field because you're in the middle, you're a lot of communication, but the catchers, the heartbeat, I feel like it, the, the best teams that I've been on the catchers, the heartbeat, how much is, is, that how important is that role coming from the catcher if it's not there i feel like there'd be a massive void there's there's a void but it's it's different like and and there's so many different leadership styles you read books about leadership and you can you can apply it to to every type of catcher every type of center fielder every type of shortstop you know very rarely are you going to find true leaders outside of those positions um, you know, cause when you get MVPs outside of those positions, sometimes they can be more selfish players. Um, but e- each team, each team's dynamic is, is built differently. But as far as being a catcher, I think it's, it looks different at different levels and you have to be willing to allow the personality of that catcher to be used to its fullest. Buster Posey the last thing he's going to do is give a rah-rah speech before a game. And yet every single team, even, even in 14, when, you know, they won and, you know, they, they rode Bumgarner throughout the whole playoffs throughout that whole time, everybody went, well, who's the, who's the leader at the Buster Posey who, who led that Buster Posey. And he's not a verbal loud leader, there was other guys that stepped into those roles. So that's a different type of leadership and they do run by his offense, but in 14, he didn't have a great world series and they still won it. And catching at the minor league level coming up, building an organization is so huge too, because you talk about, you talk about, let's say now there's four teams in each level, not including the, FCL or whatever they're calling it now, but it's, you know, four teams, each team's carrying about three guys. One guy goes on and off the phantom DL, but so you're talking about 12 guys that can make an immense impact on the 150 guys in your entire organization. And those guys ability to play. Yes, they have to play. Yes. They have to be able to, throw and catch and block and hit, or they're going to be the ones on the phantom DL, but all those things lift up so many people in an organization and whether it's speaking Spanish to half the people in the organization, whether it's connecting with the position players, which pitchers never really connect with position players on a real deep level or position players never really connect with pitchers. Cause you're like, they're goofy, they're in the bullpen, or they're starting once every five days. And so 
catchers, you're exactly right. Catchers are the heartbeat of the team. And when they're not, you really, really have to have a dynamic that is, is unique where, you know, maybe a starting pitcher is able to connect with position players and get the respect from position players or, you know, there's bullpen guys really, I've never seen where a bullpen guy is a, is a main leader in a clubhouse. Um, but shortstop center fielders, you know, your, your fringe, your fringe, uh, veteran player. And sometimes your starting catcher can't fill that void. Your backup catcher can fill that void. So it's, you're right. It's a long answer and we could discuss it for a long time, but I think that is where sustained winning sustained success comes from. And I think if you look at teams that didn't quite get the job done this year, to me, that's the first place I'd look. Makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Awesome insight. Chris, who, who, who catchers in your career that really stood out to you? Uh, well, it's, I mean, obviously you point to the, the playoff year, right? Um, Russell, Russell's reputation speaks for itself. Um, but you know, what's crazy about, about that team is we had two really, really good catchers. DeAndre Navarro is probably the smartest baseball player I ever played with. Um, I mean, I've said this to a lot of people about how, how aware he was of situations going on around him. And I think he had to be, cause he really wasn't a physical specimen, obviously, uh, but just super aware of what was going on uh, in Minnesota. I got to play with, with Joe um, and I, yeah, I'm just going to one name him there. And, but he obviously became a first baseman uh, later. Thanks Joe for taking my job. Um you had to yeah, I mean, Mauer and Morneau there. That's fun. Yeah. Um, it, and it, it's weird to that point with Kratz, he was talking about. So, so Joe, Joe was a more quiet person, is a more quiet person. He's not really the vocal type leader, but like Kratz, said, like everybody knew kind of he was the guy. Now, could be good and bad, right? Because at some point we went 60 and 100, and it really became him and Joe's team. And I think the twins were missing those pieces that they had before the, you know, the leadership came from the hard nosed, the, and it wasn't even the leadership. Cause you, you looked at it, even when they were kids, it was Mauer and Morneau's team, but you had these guys that were like good complimentary pieces, Punto, um, Joe Creedy, uh, guys like Joe Nathan, Matt Caps that like really kept the, the, the team kind of together, even though it was Joe and Justin's team because they replaced the things that they didn't do verbally necessarily. Right. Um, you know, playing with Russell was obviously like, I think Russell's, I mean, he's not a hall of famer, but he's, he's in that conversation um, or starting to approach it anyway. So really like a really good dude. Um, so really good human. And then I had the distinct pleasure of playing with the Kratzen, man. Like this guy for as much as we like, we wear each other out. Like, I, I mean, people talk about him the way they do because of who he is. There's no, I mean, in terms of keeping a room loose and, and being able to do all of the things that he just said, he's so in tune with that, which is why his career lasted as long as it did. And why there's still teams that want to sign you, I bet. Right. Like, do you get a call last week or, or no? No, no. July was the last call I got. 
You're like, no, I'm opti- opting out again. That was great. My fa- my favorite thing you did on, uh, uh, you did an interview one time and you're like, you're like, everybody does these like retirement tours, all this stuff. He's like, and when I just like, I'm just going to stop playing and that that'll be it. Like nobody will know. Like <laughs> not retiring and just stopping like that's it Irish goodbye his his career <laughs> yeah just just done like just done but you were talking about Russell Martin I think he was in the playoffs nine out of ten years and I, his it's all about it's a position that's all about how can you affect the other people around you in a positive way that doesn't mean that you change who you are it's just how do you affect those people around you and it has an incredible impact. It has an incredible impact. And sometimes you step on people's toes. And so you have to be willing to step up and be like, hey, this is how it's going to be. But you also have to be willing to say, my bad. Like I didn't call, like I didn't call or text Colabello when I was in Worcester. I had a brain fart. I forgot the guy lived in Worcester. I knew he lived near Holy Cross. You always pass it when you're driving through on the highway. It's my bad. I okay. apologize. So I'm going on, going on right now, and I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're friends, but I'm also sorry that I didn't text. I knew that more than I knew that you were sorry that you didn't call. So I'm um, as a so as an observer to the situation right now. You've gone from just completely busting balls, flip the switch to go completely serious, mixing in jokes within your apologies. There's a lot of emotional intelligence that's happening right now that like, is that as a 29th rounder to get to where you got to, like, is that something you learned and picked up or is that part of just who you are, kind of innate skills and life skills that you have? And then a follow-up to that, I know you were involved with the, uh, the MLB drafting that they did down in Cary, North Carolina. Yeah. Is that something you look for? Is that something that you try to mentor players to, to have and like in that whole draft process do you talk to players about that do you make them aware of it do you just kind of do it and see who picks up on it like how, how's that dynamic happen I don't think you can I don't know I mean I guess I'd have to I'm writing I'm writing a book about my career now so I'm trying to like be more retrospective about how I about how I used to be and I definitely didn't have I didn't have the confidence early in my career to let my personality shine through because it was more like I equated in to pro ball, but in, did pro you have ball, in pro ball. So coming out of college, did you have it? Did you have those? I did have, I did have, I did have confidence. I, you know, I feel like, you know, the guys on my Different college level. team, we had, you know, we, we still, we're still extremely close. A lot of the dudes that came to my, a lot of dudes that came to my game six in 2018 out in Milwaukee were some of my ex teammates in college, you know? So we had that, I learned that through that time. It was something, I think a lot of people grow up during when they go to college, you know, you got to live on your own. You got to live and figure out how to figure out how to, you know, get along with the people around you that you're living with. Um, but I also think some of that was grown. You know, I got married when I was 21. Um, so it was an early, I feel like I grew up early, but I also think early in my pro career, I didn't, it, I felt like I was a, I was a freshman all the time. 
you know, when you're a freshman and you're, you're trying out for the varsity team, if you make the varsity team, you're like, oh man, seniors. Like they're like, oh, like, I, I don't, I don't know. And, and going back to college, I'm jumping back now. Like I got voted to be a captain my freshman year of college. And I attribute that to the, the seniors allowing me to be who I was and seeing how I could help. And it didn't have that feeling of, oh no, what, you know, I don't want to do something wrong or I don't want to, I still get that sometimes when I go to a nice golf course, I'm like, I don't want to put my cleats on in the parking lot. Is my hat on wrong? Is my shirt untucked? You know, so I, so I have that, but when I'm in situations where people are being honest and I think the season is no better situation you can you can hear so many stories of dudes being one guy in spring training and by july you're sick and tired of that act and so it's a season a season will allow honesty to shine through whether you want it to or not and i love i love the fact that i can be honest with my teammates maybe maybe to a fault i i found out one guy i used to play with was like he's like I hated Kratz. He was the worst. And the guy that told me this was like, he kind of stood up for me. He's like, well, why, why was he the worst? He's like, oh, he was always busting my balls and making fun of me. He's like, was he making fun of you? Or was he pointing out things that maybe weren't the best for your career? And so that's kind of how I go about it. And to, to impart that wisdom on guys like at the combine I don't, I don't know that you can, I, I think it's something that you spend time with them. You spend, and that's kind of partially my role in player development with the Red Sox is, you know, it's an undefined role, but I hope I can impart on some of these guys that, you know, you don't have to be like me, like sarcasm and, and quick wit is not an admirable trait. Like people aren't like, Oh man, I wish I was a little more quick witted. I wish I had a little more sarcasm and some digs in on guys. Well, I mean, it doesn't but get hope bumped up a level is what you're saying. Like he's muted. We can't, it's, it's very well. Like it's very, I think a lot of people seek this. Is everybody more. muted or am I just, Oh boy. No, you're muted. Can you again? Anybody? Ah, we're killing. We're breaking Pelotero. We were, we were fine that whole time. Anyway. Yeah. You might have to cut it. Sorry, Patrick. No. <laughs> hey, hey, I, think he's we a, leave it in. I think we can leave it in. Another like, former uh, division three catcher. So he he's a man after your own heart, you know. Love that Northeast Division three too, like that's that's real grinder. No, even maybe even more grindy. Even more grindy. He went to Lawrence. Tell him Wisconsin. Right. Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh no, that's not grinder. That's big time. <laughs> that's big time. You. Well, big I looked time. up your school. I didn't ever even heard of Eastern Mennonite University. Did I even say that right? You, you said it perfect. I mean, the words aren't really tough to read. Yeah. Are you, no. You're considering Virginia to be Northeast? No, 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 no. No, I left the Northeast. Okay. That's why I'm saying Northeast would be like, if you're at, you're at division three school, like you're like, you get one pair of socks, you have team bats, like you have like three team bats. I went D1 and that's what we had. So I don't know. <laughs> low budget, yeah, low budget D1. We, we, can't call, we can't call UVM a Division One school, can we? Is that like a real thing? Yeah, we can. All 
Yeah, no. If it's Division One, you can call it Division One. There's no okay. just because you went to Division Two. Like it's not Division Two is not even a division. I know. I agree. I, th- so I made the like massive mistake of when I was going to college. I just assumed that two was better than three because it's a better number, like one, two, then three. In college baseball, that's like not even like I'd much rather have gone to Babson College than I would have to Assumption College. Like, what is Assume you? Who like we don't like? I mean, who goes to Assume College? I feel like Assumption College, you guys had a lot of leaves that would pile up in the back of your backstop that you guys just wouldn't get out, like in between like week, week games. Like there's like, yeah. there's leaves in the back there and you don't even have any trees near the field. Just somehow leaves would just accumulate back there. And, and then it was you always just... blowing in from left. And that's how you figured out how to hit the ball out to right field. They actually had a, a big football bleacher. That was a short portion, right? Yeah, short center. portion, right center. But you know what's ironic is that I could I could hit Oppo and Central Homers in college. And then as soon as I got the pro ball, like couldn't do it for six years. Didn't have an Oppo taco. <laughs> for those not watching, Eric is pretending to be sleeping while Chris tells stories about himself, which is a tactic I might start using, actually. That's I like that. You can you could use that. <laughs> you start falling asleep when you hear the word I. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me rephrase that. I like the I like the leaves in the backstop. It paints a really nice picture of let me like, rephrase like that. Like a foul ball goes in there, you just leave it. Like we'll find it, we'll find it in the spring. <laughs> we'll find we'll find it in the <laughs> You're not wrong about any of this. What I wanna no, I can't say what I want to know. How <laughs> Do you and I have a relationship after any of this? Like, because I think you're you're completely on the money when you say all the things that you say about your sarcasms rooted in humor and and truth and all this stuff. How'd you deal? How did you deal with becoming even? I, I, am I allowed to use the word friend? We're friends, We're friends right? I mean, our friendship's I, on the on the rocks because I didn't text text you. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm over it. Like it makes up for because I realize how difficult I am as a, like literally all the things that I hate about other people. Sometimes I did when I was in dark places, which right, wrong or indifferent. Um, but I mean, yeah. we met we met when you were in a dark place. Yeah. If you made it through that with me, you're in it for the long haul. I was in the darkest place. That's but that's isn't that isn't that. Like anybody can any that that's why I have sometimes I have an issue with people who are like, oh man, you know, they get traded in July and this dude's like the front runner for the MVP and they're they just like they like hook onto that train. Like that guy's yeah. good. Like he's good, he's fine. Yeah. Like you're only helping yourself by hooking onto that train. Like you don't need to laugh at all the jokes of that person. Like, how do you help? everybody and i'm not saying i'm like oh man colabello you know he's my charity case that i'm gonna take on we just you gotta listen man like i i talk a ton two things i'm good at talking and have a huge nose like (laughs) you just like you have to you have to listen like you have to listen and you needed somebody to listen to and that's how we became friends i wish i wasn't such a good listener I know that's true. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. I um, have an hour back on my Monday now. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it goes to, to, to the point of what you said and, and what you were just talking about that, that personality trait, like, and, and this kind of wraps up that last topic is early on in your career or what I, what happened to me when I first got to affiliate is I was, I was nervous, right. I didn't have conviction in all the things that I'd learned in independent ball. So and all the things that helped make me the player that I think I was, I kind of shied away from for the first few months and I, I struggled because of it. And little by little, I, I kind of built them back. And then when you get to the big leagues, you kind of back off and you're like, well, is it right here? And I think the thing that I've noticed the most that I respect, uh, especially about you and I, about other people too, is when people have the ability to just be true to themselves. Right. And I think that's when the best, comes out in players like when when they're able to play their best when they're able to sustain the most product pro productivity from themselves when they're playing as themselves as opposed to trying to be somebody they're not to your point like the guy that latches on to the mvp you know who is the king of that i'm gonna say this i hope gogo -Go listens to this gogo -Go was so good at latching on like he was the best latcher honor. He's like, Batista is the man. Then we got Donaldson. He's like, no, I got to be around Donaldson. Then we got Tulo. He's like, Tulo's my guy. And then it was like Price too. Gogo's the best latcher honor. He's like, hey, what's your coffee order? I'm like, bro, just because he played in three all-star games doesn't mean you have to get him coffee every day. Let's pump the brakes. You got way more money than you. It's like, uh, I think we're all old enough to get this joke. Runaway bride. Don't know how to, don't know how you like your eggs. Got to know how you like your eggs. Do we did that land or did that? that is, no, you're, you're Patrick's way too old for that. You're way too young for that one. Yeah, now you like your eggs. Um, I want to I want to drill down one more time about kind of team culture and how Chris, you just brought up your first year in affiliated rally pig. The Yankees have a turtle in the clubhouse right now. Do you guys have any fun stories of like themes, things that happen? I, I feel like. When you when your team is clicking, things like inside jokes, like Chris with the Blue Jays, you see everything was the cheese because that year it was the cheese. There's like each year has its own identity, and like it's just really cool when it happens. I feel like the good teams, it's like everybody's got the same inside jokes. You got you have yes. any uh, any pets, any clubhouse pets, or or funny insider stories that you could share on. Uh, team chemistry like that not not that the uh statue of limitations hasn't run out yet so i would love there's one that i would love but it's <laughs> it, it wouldn't it wouldn't age well right now so and i know i know what, which one colabello is talking about or thinking about right now but when people ask about those stories i love giving minor league stories so in 11 we had we had a baller team in Lehigh Valley. We were the I don't pigs, the iron pigs, but Ronnie Belliard was on our team and he called them the I don't pigs. Like this guy was the pros pro. He was at the end of his career. He bought a, he bought a Contra video game for our clubhouse, like full size Contra. And he like was an arcade, there. like an arcade yeah. game, arcade, full arcade, Contra, <laughs> just Contra. And great he was game. There. Great game. You know, where the gun like shoots at like this angle, this angle, or straight up. And like <laughs> if you get like the big one, it's just like yeah, it should just <laughs> everybody. And 
<laughs> Ronnie B. Ronnie B. just had all the best scores. But anyway, Ronnie B. leaves. We're we're winning. We're a good team. We're we're going right down to the wire to make the playoffs. And we kind of ran into a little bit of a tough stretch. And there's a bunch of veterans. You know how AAA can be. If you have veterans, it can be toxic. And it wasn't toxic. It was one of the most fun teams to be on from like Delwyn Young, Brandon Moss, myself, uh, Tag Bozade, Kevin Franzen, Dom Brown. Like we were like – we were a bunch of veteran guys waiting for somebody on the Phillies to get hurt and they never did. So we didn't get called up, but right near the end, we went to, I wish I remember what city it was, but there was a Dave and Buster's near and we played, we played football toss and like the thing where it spins around and you're like, and then the tickets come out and we put all our tickets together to get, to get luscious, bought luscious. Luscious was this pig, stuffed pig that was like, I, I mean, it was, it was huge. It was huge. You felt awkward walking out with it, unless you were in Pawtucket. And so we're walking out and it's like fully under the arm, walking out with it and it stayed in our clubhouse. And we just, we went off. We went off to finish the season. We ended up losing in the championship, but Luscious would dance. Do you remember the song, uh, No Speak Americano? Americano. Yep. So I would dance after every win. And then by the end of the season, I was dancing with Luscious up on the table, like, with newcomers, you know, people are always coming. So Lush, Luscious would go to the player of the game, and then I would give Luscious and the person and the player a lap dance. So it was like it was one of those things that like I didn't realize it was fun. I mean, we knew it was fun because people were just crying, laughing. Eddie Bonine was just he thought it was the funniest thing on earth seeing me dance to No Speak Americano and they but like the one time I turned around and like coordinators were in town and the coaches came <laughs> in to watch the dance and it's just something that like it gets it gets you up for what well, you know we've talked a lot about wins it gets you up for the win like in a in a situation where it's like hey September 1st I don't get called up I'm out or September 1st, I don't get called up. Well, hey, let's lose so that I can get called up because they told me I'm going up, you know, that kind of thing. And it's a, it becomes a toxic environment for young guys. Like, you know, young guys that were on that team that are still playing, Freddie Galvis, Jake Diekman, guys that see winning, yes, you have to be good. In no way are you going to take a team of mediocre players and succeed at the big league level but you need mediocre players to complete a team with superstars on it. And those guys have to know how to win. Those guys those have are to the know championship players. Yeah. Yes. And they have to know because there's times in the game, like analytics and war and all that stuff is created to hypothesize how the team is going to do before the season starts. When the season starts, it's about the players. And if you're in there in the seventh inning 
and you've been on teams, Colabello, you know it that you're sitting there and you're like, we have no shot of coming back. Yep. If this guy doesn't get a hit, we got no shot. And that is a toxic feeling that to me is created in moments like that. In moments where big, well, I wasn't bald at that point. I probably should have been shaving my head, but I was hanging on for like three more haircuts. Is dancing with Luscious the pig. And Luscious couldn't go home with anybody. Luscious got covered in champagne two or three different times that season. Anyway, champagne and beer, Luscious started smelling bad. And it goes on, it goes away. You don't start the next season going to Dave and Buster's and being like, all right, well, we'll get yeah, try to get purple. The same thing. <laughs> we'll get precious. You can't try to do the same thing because it's not the same people. Yeah. And it's it's super organic. You're right. You're right. It, and it has to be, it has to be organic. If not, it's when you try to force it, it doesn't work. Uh my first year in independent ball, I thought we had the greatest environment ever. We when people would go out, it was 20 guys going out. It wasn't, it wasn't like two and it was really cool. And then I, for years, I tried to recreate that. I tried to force it. I tried to compare one year to the other and it just doesn't work that way. You can't, you have and the personalities of the people that are in the middle of it. And, and, you know, Raul Ibanez said to me one time, there's teams have, you know, the good dudes over here and the bad dudes over here. And then everybody else in the middle said if the good weighs outweighs the bad and and characterize that however you want if the good outweighs the bad then we're going to have an okay season if the bad outweighs the good then it's going to be pretty ugly and you know it uh you're right man you're right it's right on the money got two more topics one that's not on the list that I'm very curious about and then we can talk playoffs after the uh strike zone and the robotic strike zone very curious I feel like you may be as qualified as anybody to talk about this because you've, you've experienced the whole wave of technology. We've talked about this a lot on the show. Um, my personal take is that if you're going to show the box during the game, it creates a terrible fan experience when the guy behind the plate's not calling a strike, when the, when the viewer at home can sit there and look at it and see it in real time. Um, curious about your thoughts on it from a, as a catcher, specific like because you're the guy receiving is probably something you took a lot of pride in as a player and then just as like a i don't even know if i want to call it fairness of the game or get like the get it right mantra of like we got instant replay the strike zone like just get it right versus like tradition of the game and do you want the pitcher to earn the pitch that's a couple inches off because he's earned it which is where chris tends to go even though he's a hitter so very curious what your what your thoughts are on a potential robot strike zone, which I feel like is inevitable, but we'll see. I think it's inevitable too, just because they put that language in with the umpire's collective bargaining agreement. Um, you know what I love about this argument, discussion, whatever it is? I can take either side. I can totally take either side. Um, but if we're sticking to the theme of you know, how do you make impact on other people as a catcher? That's a great impact. Like you can help pitchers get strikes. And now they've, now they've had the, for, for a couple of years now for, you know, five or six, seven years, they've had the receiving stats and those are widely criticized sometimes I've seen organizations manipulate those stats 
to make certain players or or their style of catching become or or look look like they're doing a better job. So I think a lot of stats can be manipulated if you leave out like you can say Bryce Harper's the MVP this year because his OPS is so high and his runs scored are so high. And you just kind of you just kind of smatter in the fact that he's, you know, only got 86 RBIs and 35 homers. You know, and you just you like kind of you say that as like the the fast talking line at the end of the at the end of the commercial. But also on the fact that like umpires are people too. And there is an element of the game within the game. And it's not just about the numbers. It's about what you've done the entire game to work for that strike, to work for that situation, not manipulating that umpire. Because if you really looked at the strike zone, it's, it would be really cool. I think the first TV I think the first TV broadcast that does it, if they actually put up the big league umpires strike zone, it looks like a, you know, it looks like one of the balls that assumption used to hit in BP, like all like (laughs) and like kind of higher on the one side, but it's one of those things that the strike zone isn't this. Correct. The strike zone is what the umpires call it throughout the entire league. And you lose the corners. You gain a little bit away from righties. And you lose some into lefties. And it's just how across the league, that's the average of how they call the strike zone. And I think it adds an element of the human element that I think other sports still have but I think it's discussed so much that people think, oh, these umpires aren't very good. These umpires are, you know, they, they miss so many calls and they don't, they, they are really good. It's like, it's like a, it's like a ref in football. You, you watch it in slow motion and you're like, how did they do that? How did he see that? Yeah. How did he see it? But they have checks that, you know, I talked to a referee one time and he said when he would ref at the highest level it was so so much easier because these guys are doing all the right things in high school he's like kids are like elbows and knees there's people they don't know correct blocking so he's like I could call a penalty on almost every play in high school but in college in the in the NFL it's easier because you have if you do the right things, you are going to get you are going to get the call right 99 out of 100 times. And I think the human element is is awesome, but I also understand like there's going to be, you know, if the automated strike zone comes in, people will make the adjustment like we're totally fine with people making the adjustment based on, you know, there's a wild card team in the playoffs. Now there's, you know, there's a wild card game. We look, we're looking ahead of that ahead for that. You know, right now the wild card game's coming up. Um, there's replay like, Hey, go look at it. 
you know, if you want to add some elements to it, you know, to me, like maybe you can check, you can check to see if the pitch was actually right. And you get six times. It wouldn't take very long. You get six times, but everybody gets to check themselves. I want to see that with replay too, because I'm sick of seeing, you know, the standard player drop in a certain name here. I won't drop in any names running down to first dives head first touches first base and is like clearly out and they're like check it check it check it like check it <laughs> like to me no 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 more checking you have a, you have a flag in your pocket you have a little like beanbag in your pocket you drop yeah. it it's got to be a self check it's it's not it can't come from the dugout it can't take 20 minutes let's check it beep it let's go move on yep check it like just like, like tennis like Jed Lowry's, Jed Lowry's in the box. He's going to use up all his beanbags, his whole team's beanbags in his first at bat. Just, <laughs> oh, what? Oh, what? That's a ball. Nah. But he's, he's not complaining because he thinks it's a ball. He's complaining because if he complains about the borderline pitch, which as a catcher, I'm trying to get the borderline pitch. I'm not trying to rip a pitch six inches off if i rip a pitch as a catcher six inches off back onto the plate he's gonna miss the one right down the middle at some point because that's a brutal call and he's not a good umpire i want the 50 50 balls jed lowry's gonna sit in the box and complain about pitches that are borderline so he gets them how you know, hard it's part of the game it's part of it's part of the success and the excitement and like the small things that I think broadcasts can really delve into if they want to sell the game for what it is. How, how hard did you work and not work necessarily? Cause I'm sure it was easy to talk to umpires, but like how much of that throughout the games, did you feel like you were, you were earning the right to get calls and to, to talk to the umpire and to really just be with them the whole game and say, Hey, cause I mean, I imagine there were times when umpires asked you what you thought about a pitch. They definitely did. And I gave them honest answer. I'm like, no, that was a ball. Like that was, you called it a strike. That was a ball. That was off base, you know? And so I'm trying to be honest, just like I'm trying to be honest with Colabello. Like, why do you got a David Ortiz bat? You never even played with a guy. Like, why is you, that? Like, you, did. You, you talked about it in the, uh, in the interview. Remember? That was funny. Unbelievable. Anyway, David no, Ortiz you, you, didn't know that you played with him. You know that? Yeah, he didn't know. It was two days. I didn't even get in the game. But anyway, you know, you you work you work with the umpire the whole day, and you same thing as I said right off the gate. Like you respect that guy. He's trying his best. And to me, the guys I couldn't work with were the guys that had a bad attitude, in the sense of like they didn't want to be there, or that they thought they had all the answers and you know those guys it was like all right you know I'm not I'm not going to work for anything it's going to be pointless to try to work for anything I'm just going to just going to do my game makes sense I don't want to lose that I don't want to lose that part of the game so what would happen if they have an automated strike zone and you're, you know, you look back there because Joe West will be done. Um, <laughs> do you feel, do you feel more, do you feel more secure if your season's on the line 
which every day your season's on the line, yep. not just the last uh, day of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Angel Hernandez is back there. Are you like less, or are you still excited to see Angel Hernandez fall into the dugout calling an out call? He did fall in. Nice. Fell. He just thought it was cool because he always saw all the other players doing it. So he was like, <laughs> I'm going to do it too. Wee. He got all up in there though. It was, I mean, he I was like just, how aggressive he came up with the out call after. Yeah, he, he like, did. <laughs> I don't know if he was doing bicep contact. Tell you a funny story about Angel. We're in Fenway, and it was the year we sent Price over to Boston. He signed with them. Angel's behind the dish. Angel, he goes, cut her in it. I mean, it missed by a lot. And Angel always has one inning where he just blacks out. Just blacks out for an inning. And I said, I turn around and say, Angel, I said, that's a ball. He goes, he's just shaking his head at me. The next day he comes down the tunnel and it's during the national anthem. And I was in the tunnel. I didn't make it back out in time. And he goes, puts puts his arm around me, puts his arm around me. He goes, Hey, that pitch yesterday, you were right. You missed. And he just kept making it smaller. (laughs) And I, just the fact that I got him to say he was wrong was like a, such a huge victory, but I Look, at the end of the day, you said it, Kratzy, they're humans. They're way better than anybody gives them credit for because of what Bobby said. Having the box on TV is absurd for them. Like, it's just – it make, it's such a bad look because now people are convinced that the strike zone is supposed to be that rectangle. And in the history of baseball, the strike zone has never been that rectangle. Ever. Ever. Yep. yep. And now I've got an, I've got broadcasters trying to tell me what a ball and a strike is, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't decide what a ball and a strike is, not you. You've never been paid to decide that, so don't dog on the guy that's on the field that's calling the pitches. That's where the mistake is. And if we take this away, we're going to lose a little bit more of the purity of what made baseball the game it is. If yeah, I heard uh, heard a line. Uh, Robert Redford said this at Sundance like maybe 10, 15 years ago. Some people embrace change. Some people hate it. Change is going to happen. It's bound to happen. Either you take it in or, 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 or you let it out. I'll embrace it, whatever. And like you said, I can go either way. It, it doesn't matter. As a hitter, yeah, I want you to get every call right. I want you to get every call right. I want to have nothing to be able to say. But, I, again, I don't know what right and wrong is, personally. Fair. I, I don't like – the concept of fairness in general, because I don't think things are fair. So I like when bad call, I like when a guy gets a pitch off the plate, if it's been earned, I like when players get calls when they've earned it. And I think the casual fan doesn't like it. And when you cater to the game, to the casual fan, it's not necessarily a good thing for the game, for the business of baseball. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe just teach the game, maybe invest more in that. Uh, Last topic we got, what are we calling yesterday wild baseball Sunday? I saw somebody call it instead of football Sunday. Uh, pretty crazy that all the games were at the same exact time. Everything was happening at once, which was cool. Kind of anticlimactic at the end where the Yankees won, the Red Sox won, Blue Jays had the, uh, Vladdy sat in the dugout. sweet moment of winning a game, but then having no control, uh, which team has uh, luscious magic going into the postseason year. Who who's got the mojo? I really feel like your season can swing in your wild card game. Uh, 
I've been on two wildcard teams that we lost in game seven of the World Series and game seven of the ALCS. And you can you can come out and play in that game and it gets because that game is an equalizer. That game is an opportunity for now both these teams have a lot of playoff experience on their roster, you know, for the for the Red Sox and Yankees, but there's still some guys that maybe they didn't do well in the playoffs before. And this game will allow them to, Hey, I was way too amped up last time I played in this game. And you're going to be able to find guys who had some playoff experience and are able to build on that in this game. And when you do that, that momentum is huge, huge. You ride, you ride that wave for the American league going into Tampa for the national league. I mean, I think you're going to get more, you're going to get more people talking about the Red Sox Yankees because it's just a bigger media draw, but the Dodgers Cardinals game is going to be a flat out awesome game because you have a team in the Dodgers who won 106 games. I think they won yesterday, right? Yeah. 106 games playing a playing a Cardinals team who the way they're playing they might have won 126 games you know if they continued in the streak that they were on you know they were the streak that they're on is incredible and now all of a sudden people are like oh yeah well the reason they are is because they have a great, like they had the same lineup the whole year. They were just, you know, it wasn't clicking. And now it's clicking. Goldie, no, he's he's the guy that I'm looking to in that series. How is he gonna do? How is he going to how is he gonna affect that lineup in a positive way? Because they're three. Their three main power guys, their three hottest hitters right now are O'Neal, obviously Arenado, but Goldie, I think, is going to be the one. I think he's the best, most consistent hitter because I feel like O'Neal and Arenado have they have holes that can be exploited. And I think in playoff situations, in big situations – you are only throwing to those holes and you are only, you are, you're mitigating your damage. So you kind of look at every situation in a four batter, in a four batter situation. How am I going to get three outs in the next four batters? So if you walk a guy or if you have to, you know, go to a chase zone with Nolan Arenado runner on second, you're still four batters away from getting your three outs. Like you're not afraid in a situation where a guy gets a leadoff double, Arenado's up to not allow him to beat you in the gap, not allow him to throw, you know, throw a ball out to right field. Cause he's, you know, he's, he's looking to go to right field and he does that really well. But in the playoffs, you exploit that by chasing, you know, running in his chase zones. And so a guy like that, you can exploit certain weaknesses. And I feel like Goldie 
is not like that. Goldie's approach is very streamlined, very, you know, does he, does he chase? Absolutely. He chases, but I, I really see him being the, that linchpin in that lineup that if he does well, that series could, they could knock out the Dodgers and 106 wins. I ain't playing after the first day. Think about that. You win 106 games, you got a shot to not be in the divisional series. That's crazy, dude. It's it, that. I love all, kudos to the Giants because anybody chalked them up having 107 wins to start the year? I'd take the under. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing, man. Two teams in the West that, that won combined 213 games. And now you've got the Cardinals, who are the hottest team in baseball. And like in the in, it's funny because you look to the American League and you're like, you had teams that were literally trying to give it away. It felt like, you know, I was very obviously in tune with what the Red Sox were doing all year. And it just felt like, and I, you know, you say that casually, like felt like they were trying to give it away. You had other teams that were trying on the other side. Like in the last four weeks, Seattle got, had a 10 game stretch where they went nine and one. The, the Blue Jays had a stretch where they won like, you know, 14 out of 15 or whatever it was. The Yankees had a stretch where they went insane. And then they, they, the Red Sox won seven in a row. So it was like, it seemed so up and down and, and it's probably, you know, the division combination of things and the fact that there's a major league team on the other side of the field every day, but it's uh it's really interesting. I think it's the most interested I've been in what the playoffs could be. And then you got like the blue, the, the brewers have just kind of casually flown under the radar and are really good because their pitching staff's absurd. I'll sleep uh, on the white Sox. white Sox. Yeah, I mean, you got some arms. It like you know, it's funny. Everybody talks about what happens at the end, and they just forget about what has been sustained all year. Um, so it'll be interesting. Imagine it's a Brewers White Sox World Series. Would that be like the lowest rated World Series ever? I would love it, yeah. but it might be. As I mean, baseball, it, as baseball Astros, guys, we appreciate it. The Astros. What was it? Who who played the White Sox? Who played the White Sox when Patsednik hit that home run? Oh, um, was the Angels? No, no, two American League teams. Oh, you're talking about who they played in the World Series? Yeah, wasn't it the Astros when they were still in the National League? No, they beat Killer Bees because they beat the Cardinals. They beat the Cardinals in the World Series? Brad Lidge gave up the home run, and then they came back and won it. Oh, hey, yeah. No, stay on, stay on topic. Stay on top. The Brewers are nasty. Losing Devin Williams to a wall, that's tough. But the Brewers are nasty. And it's all about how do you get 27 outs? And that's why the White Sox are also nasty. Bobby said about the White Sox, they are – that bullpen – they're, they're, they're taking the bullpen thing to a new level. They're shortening the game. They could play a four-inning game with their starters with Kopech, Bummer, Hendricks, Kimbrell, and uh, um, missing the one guy. Uh, I don't know who it is. Anyway, yeah, I, just, I saw a stat last night. They threw 1,500 pitches, I think over 100 than every other team in the league they just have they just have gas just just fuel like they, 
Hendricks is getting like Benjamin Button, by the way. And the older he gets, the harder he throws. The big, the biggest thing, and I get it. They throw hard, and heat is is the name of the game. But the playoffs is when can you when can you catch one? Who's gonna who's gonna make that mistake? And heat, they they that's my that would be my biggest issue with them is the control of that heat. They're not walking a ton of dudes, but it's the control of that heat. Yeah. And in the playoffs, hitters have a little extra adrenaline. You're not getting blown away by a hundred anymore. You know, if you were before, um, I don't know. That's why I'm a little leery, but you know, to me, if Devin Williams were still there, they were my pick. They were my pick to, to win the world series because Are they that's, hit? That, you think they're going to hit enough. I don't think you need to hit in the playoffs. You need to hit at the right time. You're going to get, you're going to get big hits. Playoffs is, like I said, it's four at bats to, to try to get three outs. So you're gonna you're gonna pitch to Manny Pena. You're gonna pitch to, you know, I'm trying to think who's at the bottom. Jace Peterson is gonna come up with big hits. You're gonna you're gonna pitch, you know, I think Yelly is gonna come up with big with big hits this year in the playoffs because they're gonna pitch around the guys who were hot. And you're like, well, he's not that hot. But then it's like, oh, it's Christian Yelich. So it just pushes the line a little farther, you know, and you're going to get Colton Wong up there because you don't want to face. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to, you're going to, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get big at bats from Rowdy Telez because you don't want to face Avisael Garcia. So it's, it's going to be a three-one game. Yeah, don't need to score a bunch with that. No. With that, nope. Those arms. I'm I'm interested to see what happens. I, I I think whoever wins the wild card game in the National League becomes super super dangerous. So I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to play whoever wins that that wild card game. Um, this is very like eerily similar, eerily similar to when the Nationals won the World Series. Right, like super, like Cardinals are for sure. Yeah, the Nationals. Like I I remember that the year they won the World Series. I said, watch out if the Nationals win the walk because they won. They had won like they went gone like like fifty five and fifteen in their last seventy or something like that. Um, so it's the same as like you know the 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 Giants are literally oh hey you have the best record in the National League you get the winner of this game cool, good stuff. Um. That's tough. In the American League, I'm not as concerned about the wild card teams, to be honest with you. And no offense to Boston or New York, like I, I don't, I, I just don't think they're the Yankees because they, they're both really bashers. They're teams that bash, um, and I don't think that's what wins championships. I think Yankees uh, bullpen kind of came together towards the end. Yeah, the, the Yankees bullpen significantly better. I think they lack a little Severino bit. Severino looked good. Severino hasn't pitched in a while. He's looked really, really good. And he is yeah. very good. If he's and healthy. Clay, Clay Holmes, who, like, I don't even, I didn't know who he was three weeks ago. And then I watched him pitch to the middle of two orders and back-to-back series. And I went, those are the worst swings and misses I've seen all year. So, um, Severino, Loizaga, or Loizaga, Loizaga. Um, you know, obviously Chap, Chapman, still Chapman. Um Who's got, the shortest, who's got the shortest game? I love you said Milwaukee can make it a – or the White Sox can make it a four-inning game. Can you do that for a seven-game series? How how many times can you run those guys out? 
Can you do it? I mean, the Dodgers showed you can't do it in the previous three World Series. You know, the analogy I always give, if you're going to keep running a guy out there, I was a completely average hitter. But if you put the nastiest pitch on the hack attack, I mean, you get that thing and you get in there and you're like, well, no, 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 no. That's not even a real pitch. But if you just see it over and over and over again, you're, I'm even going to get on it. It might take a few. Now, if you keep running those guys out for seven games, it's a little too much. So you're right. I mean, the, the starting rotation with the Brewers is going to give you length. The Giants starting rotation can give you length. Is Gabe going to allow it? Is he going to let, is he going to be able to read the situation and see that Logan Webb is just absolutely pounding balls in the strike zone. And when they hit it, it's going in the ground. And can he allow his view of baseball to not get in the way of his view of analytics? The Dodgers, can they try to not, I don't know how Muncie is. He might not be playing. That's, that might be huge. That might be huge. And, you know, can the Dodgers try to not, like Colabella said, mash their way through the Giants? Because they try to mash their way through the Giants. They're going to lose every single one of those games four to one. Yeah. Because Buster Posey is 100% okay with you getting three singles in an inning. And if the Dodgers don't take those singles, they are not going to hit the homers. And their pitching staff can mitigate that. You're just mitigating your way through the lineup. And that'll be an easy series for the Giants as long as the Dodgers don't try to make an adjustment. Yeah. When you try to play three-run homer ball in the playoffs, it don't work. Three-run homer ball don't work no more. Look 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 at what G did. Look at what Stanton did last year in the playoffs. He was unbelievable. And they didn't make it. Now, they made it really close. But who did the other team have on the other side? A Rosa Reina. A Rosa real deal. Randy, a Rosa real deal. That was his name. A Rosa, a Rosa push-ups during COVID. Put on 15 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. You're funny. Looks aren't everything. Sometimes. <laughs> well. This is great. Eric Kratz, World Series we now, champion. So we still an hour and a half of your time. So we Eric Kratz, World running. Series champion. You have a ring. They give them out. And now player development extraordinaire. That's what we're going to call you. Consultant. Well, thanks for your time, buddy. It's good to have you. Very good insightful. Here. I appreciated all the eye candy that you have in the background of your... Of your... Are you... Are you good enough for me to ask you for an autograph? Because I never did before. My That's audio must be off. I can't. Hell of a way. <laughs> hell of a way to ask for an autograph. I have seven empty spots in my home plate thing over there. My audio, I think, is it's really weird. But I'm reading your lips. I'm reading your butt chin. I'm pretty sure it's saying you want an autograph. All right. Hey, on that note. Pickle out!